0: Hey, everybody. Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show. Glad you could join us. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And we have some real unenslaving to do today with our guest, Timothy Albarino. Um, he's written some really interesting stuff, provocative stuff. And you're talking to an ex-university professor here. I've got to tell you, the book Birthright, I've been going through it here for about the past week. And it's, uh, it's like going through an amazing maze of research. Uh, material. It's fantastically well-documented, and we'll be touching on that, I'm sure, as we get into the topic of disclosure. But before we go to Tim, just wanted to let everybody know this first section is brought to you by Noble Gold. And we're really glad to have them on board. For a long time, I was just an advertiser, and then I saw the great things they did, and I said, "I need part of that." And with the M3 money supply doing what it's doing, and watch out because we've got we've got a dynamite show coming up on that with Bob Griswold. The M3 is showing us that we can't go backwards and and print less money. But as we continue to do the opposite. Uh, We're headed for hyperinflation, so you really need to get your assets protected, and Noble Gold are experts at that they can do for you what they've done for me no one's going to come through this unscathed but you can minimize the damage to some degree and noble gold are experts at that for a no obligation interview and they'll send you free material give them a call 877-646-5347 that's 877-646-5347 tell them dave hodges of the common sense show sent you well timothy alberino is uh really well known in my circles um, we've shared a conference together, the Branson Conference. Steve Quayle put on uh, fantastic stuff. He's an author, a filmmaker. He travels all over the place, putting together these great documentaries. And I've caught some of them, and they're just—they're uh, mesmerizing. They really are, and they're high quality. It's Hollywood-type quality stuff. And I've been going through his book, like I said, uh, Birthright, which is absolutely fantastic. And a lot of it gets into the who are the aliens really what are they about what's the true history behind this and how does human history and more importantly biblical history how does that fit into this entire paradigm where he expands the life of the universe way beyond what the the bible gives us the bible gives us a snapshot of our immediate history and uh, it's just incredibly conceptualized And we're going to talk about disclosure. It's going to be our starting point today, because as we know, President Biden is withdrawing, or withholding, I should say, key elements of both the Kennedy assassination... And also, too, uh, UFOs, what we know about them, um, they're redacting information like crazy, and that's what they do release. A lot of it they're not releasing, so you have to wonder what they're hiding. So, Tim, welcome to the show, first-time guest. Really glad to have you on, Tim. Um, what do you think Biden is up to with, with um, hiding everything? Does it relate to the fact that they don't want us to know our true history, like what you're writing about in this book?
1: well I, I think we're all familiar with the the concept of the deep state um i call it the the deep deep state because when you talk about the deep state the, the true deep state you are literally talking about an institution um secret agencies, some governmental some non-governmental that are literally operating miles beneath the surface of the earth so they're literally the deep deep state And of course, I'm referencing the deep underground military bases Mm -hmm. and the redacting of um, information regarding UFOs is it has to do with what uh, ufologist Richard Dolan has coined the breakaway civilization in my estimation. And And Richard also agrees with this assessment that we believe that there is a group of individuals, a group of people, again, some governmental, some non governmental, that are in possession of highly advanced technology. And when I say advanced technology, I'm talking about technology that is that is perhaps dozens, if not hundreds of years in advance of what we have today, and that that technology was derived. From back engineering crash retrievals. And when I say crash retrievals, I'm talking about alien crash retrievals. Um, uh, vehicles not made on this earth, as it was put recently in a Pentagon paper. So um, these individuals, it's not in their interest that the public begins to learn about the alien presence. However, because of the uh, heightened activity, in the in, in as it pertains to UFOs uh, the disclosure some level of disclosure is inevitable, and that's why we see the Pentagon uh, trying to get ahead of trying to get ahead of the of the disclosure and control the narrative as much as they can because there's too many interactions now our military forces are having interactions with UFOs um, they've always had interactions with UFOs, especially the Air Force and the Navy. But it's the, the pace is quickening, and so uh, they, the Pentagon has to get in front of the story. But they're not going to reveal um, the thing. the The alien presence is one thing. I, I think that they're, they're okay with revealing aspects of the alien presence. But what they don't want the public to know is how long they've known. A, how long they've known, and B, how much they, how much technology they've been able to derive from crash retrievals, because that. That is, in in some sense, it's a betrayal of mankind, uh, withholding important technologies from the human race, and other things involved. Th- the the cover up, the the extent of the cover up, the ob- the obfuscation that's gone on over the years, um, aggressive, a disc- uh, aggressive, uh, an aggressive policy of non disclosure, a bloody. Policy of non-disclosure. That's that's been enacted in the past. That's been in place up up until recently. So all of these things combined, um, that's the reason why uh, we're not getting the straight story on disclosure. We're getting a drip, drip. We're getting we're getting just enough information so that they can look like they're being somewhat honest, but not enough information to figure out what's what what the truth is.
0: When you said how long they've been obfuscating the facts, would that go back to the Eisenhower years? In those alleged that
1: yes that definitely and and before it goes all the way back to Truman and uh it's really during the administration of, of Truman that's when the that's when the majestic twelve organization or Majesty twelve was initiated and uh, majesty twelve uh, it was this was a secretive organization that that Truman um, that Truman inaugurated and these individuals were pulled from it, it was 12 individuals that were pulled from both um, governmental and private and the private sectors and these were these were important people smart really smart people the best of the best and it was their job to um to manage the alien presence as best they could and and to go, and to govern the the uh, the Engineering the the reverse engineering of of alien technology and the development of of technology derived from 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 what we were able to reverse engineer, and so that's really when the cover up began. Um, There was you know most people are familiar with the Foo Fighter phenomenon from World War II, Mm -hmm. and that involved mainly that involved the the orbs, and the orbs in my estimation are probes. Um, They're deployed from the saucers. And it represents technology. This is not a supernatural phenomenon. This is a very physical phenomenon. It's a highly technological phenomenon.
0: Interesting um, you would mentioned the orbs. Um, we had a little family experience with this. My dad and his uh, commander, uh, an admiral, they uh, were in charge of rewiring the, com- uh, the Combat Information Center on the carrier Roosevelt back in the later 50s. And this is before the advent of satellites. And so to keep the Soviets from knowing what they were doing, they traveled around um, Cape Horn and uh, they went far, far south so the Russians wouldn't suspect or see anything as they installed nuclear weapons. And they were followed for four straight nights by glowing orbs. And they Mm -hmm. never knew what to make of it.
1: Yeah, I I have reason to believe that the orbs are deployed from the saucers. And the saucers, by the way, can, can come together they can uh, they can amalgamate into the cigar-shaped craft, and when they come together, it's a combined power source. Um, but the orbs deploy from the saucers, and it's not just saucers. It's there's different, you know. Generally speaking, the saucers, because there's there's there's, a, there's a, what's called almond-shaped craft. There's there's the flat discs. Um, there's uh, the teardrop-shaped craft, and an assortment of of, of aerospace vehicles. Um, but the, the orbs are reconnaissance um, probes. And they come in all sizes, by the way. Either, sometimes they're the size of a basketball. Sometimes they're quite large. Sometimes they're very small. And people have them moving through their, their homes, um, moving through their houses, and and uh, moving up against the walls and sort of floating around. And it's just a very high... It's a, it's a highly technological... Um, apparatus that's that's being deployed that that of course we, we we can't understand because it's 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 practically magic to us right any any Arthur C Clarke said that any technology that's sufficiently advanced is basically indistingu- indistinguishable from magic to us um and that is indeed true so that's my and and I'm not the only one who thinks that the orbs are, are our recon- reconnaissance probes um a lot of people think that but that's why they would deploy the orbs to follow um, to follow fighters or to hover around military bases or whatever. Um, they, they, they can listen and they can watch. And that's what they do.
0: Well, it makes sense that they do that with the installation of nuclear weapons which is a quantum leap above what the Navy had been using. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you here is I uh, read from your book the nature of these aliens. A, a lot of people will go back to Genesis 6 and they'll say, all aliens t- technically are fallen angels, um, or they come from heaven themselves. What, what, what's your view on this? I
1: have a, I have, I have a different view, <laughs> to say the least. Um, you have to go back and define your terms. Uh, and that, that's the problem, is there's a lot of terminology that's sort of whimsically wielded around um, in our circles, and, and fallen angel is one of those terms, and demon is another. Um, and so either, there's there's what's called the demon theory of UFOs, and that's the most common theory in evangelical circles. Um, and the demon, the demon theory of UFOs is closely uh, related to the interdimensional theory of UFOs, um, and basically what the demon theory says is that Uh, ufos are governed by demonic beings and that the whole phenomenon is demonic in in not just demonic in, in the sense that it's nefarious but demonic in the sense that it's it's directly related to demonology in the biblical narrative um and that the beings inside of the craft are either demons themselves the little gray aliens are demons in the biblical sense or and or Fallen angels, um, and I, I don't I don't believe that that theory is adequate to describe the phenomenon. Uh, in fact, uh, pro- proponents of the of the demon theory of UFOs will actually claim that the, that the saucers themselves. Are fallen angels. In other words, there's that, that the hardware is not actually hardware. It's, it's a supernatural ruse. It's, it's it's. And some people will go so far as to say that fallen angels metamorphosize into inanimate objects, like a saucer, which is of course completely nonsensical. Um, so, if you reverse engineer this thought you go back to the to the origin of the terms and you understand these terms from an ancient Hebrew perspective. Because if you're going to deploy these terms um, in, 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 your, in your attempt to explain the phenomenon, then you, have to, then you have to have the terms anchored in some kind of a definition that, that is understandable, that is generally agreed upon. And the, the problem with the term fallen angel is it's not actually a biblical term. There is no, there is no term fallen angel in the Bible. Uh, of course, demon is in the Bible, in the Greek and the Hebrew, but, but the term fallen angel, the, the term that we use, fallen angel, is, is referencing something. And this something that it's referencing are probably better described as, um, as ins- insurrectionary apostate sons mm-hmm. of God.
0: with dave.com that's water with save eighty dollars for a short time
1: we're just apostate sons of God it's probably the most accurate definition because these beings these sons of God that are apostate that have that have rebelled against God are here they're 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 on the earth I believe they were here before we were by the way um, and they are um, very ancient and they are directly related they are kin to the good guys to the to the good angels the sons of god that did not rebel the loyal sons of god so you have the loyal sons of god who are with god still and then you have a smaller faction of disloyal sons of god apostate sons of god and those beings are here on the earth and they don't have wings and there's no reason to believe that they have magical powers that they can that they can dis that they can um, um, what's the terminology uh, is it translocate um, and uh... there's there's no reason to believe any of that and the reason why there's no reason to believe any of that is because in the scriptures if we're going to use the hebrew scriptures as our as as our framework for our understanding here when we see angelic beings moving around they're always using some kind of vehicle of conveyance um, uh, for example, when when the when the when the angelic being comes to to, to pick up Elijah, when when Elijah when Elijah and Elisha are waiting for Elijah to be taken, they arrive in what's called a chariot of fire. And of course, we know that it's not a chariot, and it's not horses pulling it. Um, it's something else. It's some kind of an aerospace vehicle that Elijah physically gets into, and then it, and then it, you know, it lands. He gets into it and then it takes off. So, and and that was a that was an angelic being piloting that vehicle. And so uh, these beings use vehicles of conveyance, and there's numerous references to this in the in the biblical narrative. They're always using vehicles of conveyance to move. And so, um, without getting too, too far afield here, these are. These are, th- this group of entities constitutes a race. Indeed, it constitutes a civilization, a very, very ancient civilization a pre- and that comes from a pre-Adamic context. And that is, that is certified in the biblical narrative. The, the, the sons of God were shouting for joy when the earth was being created, according to the book of Job. So these are very, very, very ancient beings, possibly millions of years old, possibly and so um, that's who we're dealing with when we talk about quote-unquote fallen angels we're dealing with a faction of that race of that civilization that is in a state of insurrection it's in an insurrectionary state against the king of heaven they are apostate they are um they are rebel sons of god whose habitation is now planet earth They, they were kicked out of Heaven, quote unquote heaven, which I think is somewhere else in the cosmos, and they are now, their locality is now the earth. So, having said all of that, are those beings, are those apostate sons of God, piloting some of these UFOs? My answer is yes, I believe they are, because that technology is, it's, the technology itself belongs to this ancient civilization, who I identify, I, den- I, I denominate the elder race in my book. And the reason why I call them the elder race. Is because those are two very important attributes. First of all, elder obviously means older, and that's in reference to the human race. They're older than us, and race because how else should we describe them if not a race? They are a race. They constitute a race. So they're an older race than the human in relationship to the human race. Indeed, I go so far as to say that there are older siblings, and 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 we look like them. And there's and in the book I go through the I, I, I provide the scriptural context of of of. of why I believe these things. And so the, the good guys, the, the elder race, their civilization is the originator of this advanced technology. And so both the good guys and the bad guys are using the same technology, and in the same way that in, on Earth, human beings, you know, you can have, you can have um, Americans, if we were to go, go to war with China, we're basically, basically using the same technology. You know a little bit of a uh, um, of a variance between our technology and the Chinese, but we're basically using the same technology we're not we're not using different technology um, in the same way that the angels and the quote unquote fallen angels are not using different technology. they're in possession of the same knowledge they speak the same language they look the same and they're using the same technology and so yes, that's a long uh, winded answer to say yes the quote unquote fallen angels are some of the, of the beings utilizing that technology. Now the demon aspect, and I'll try to make this, you know, one minute explanation. The demon aspect is, is a little bit, it's a little bit more difficult because, um, if we were to say that the gray aliens, for example, are demonic in the sense that they are nefarious, that is an accurate statement. They are demonic because what they do is wicked. But, they, are they demons in the in the ancient hebrew sense and i think the answer to that is clearly no because demons according to the into the ancient hebrew account demons are the disembodied spirits of the nephilim from the pre-flood world and that's all they are so they're they're bodiless vagabonds that are wandering the earth they're wraiths and they're they're seeking bodies and these are the possessing spirits that uh, that Jesus encounters in the New Testament. He calls them unclean spirits, which is exactly the phraseology that's used in the Book of Enoch uh, regarding these entities. They they were banished from when the giants died in the pre-flood world. The giants were neither fully human nor fully angelic, and so they were cursed. Their spirits were cursed to wander as vagabonds, bodiless Vagabonds, disembodied wraiths on the Earth. And they possess human bodies, and they can possess animals and so so forth as well. Um, However, they have, in my estimation, they have nothing to do whatsoever with gray aliens, and they are not flying UFOs. Um, They don't do that. That's not what demons do. And then I give some some further explanations of why the idea that that demons are gray aliens is is incongruent um, when you take a look at the... uh, the actual data uh, regarding gray aliens
0: okay I mean that's a lot to digest there (laughs) good job in the one minute because that's a ton of explanation so demonic possession is real but it's separate and apart from the gray aliens um, that we often refer to from UFO reports am I hearing that correctly
1: absolutely yes
0: okay and then so what we look at next is um, who's the greater threat
1: um, in regards to whom?
0: In regards to us.
1: Fallen angels or demons? Yes. Between those two factions? Um, well, the, the the fallen, the the let's call them the apostate sons of God, are have always been a great threat to humanity. And the reason why they're a threat to humanity isn't because they have the authority to uh, to assail us with technology and take over our governments and so forth. They clearly don't. Indeed. Adam was given authority over everything on the earth, all living things, including the apostate sons of God who were here um, when Adam was created. Um, and so uh, the devil's authority on the earth does not supersede our authority. Indeed, our authority supersedes his. He, what he is permitted to do is to tempt us. He can tempt us. He can twist us and manipulate us, but 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 he needs he needs humanity to abdicate authority to him, and so uh, the devil, uh, the uh, and who I identify and and I use the the designation the dragon because mm-hmm. this is something that most people don't realize when they read the scriptures is that this character, this character, the dragon, the devil, that serpent of old, as John says, um, who was in Eve with with Eden, um, this character is never actually named. We we think he was named because because we have a misnomer uh lucifer that is actually comes from the latin vulgate um that was uh, translated by jerome which it's a misnomer his name is not lucifer uh that is it's it's a description it's 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 a designation that he's a morning star is what that is what that is designating in other words he's a member of the elder race um, so he's never actually named, and I always like to say that it's for those familiar with the Harry Potter series. He's much like the character Voldemort in Harry Potter. Uh, he who should not be named, because he's such a revolting character. He's so reviled that he's not even given the dignity of a name. Indeed, he's. You know, we have the the term Satan uh, Hasatan, which is which we we, we use. We, we've, we've taken that term and we've made it into a proper name, Satan. When in reality, Ha Satan, the Satan, refers to to multiple entities, not just one. Or the the New Testament calls him the adversary. So there is one chief adversary for sure. And in fact, in the book, I believe that there are uh, that there are seven princes. Seven. Pri- there are seven primary princes, and, and the chief of this, and this is represented in the red dragon of Revelation. And the chief of these is is the dragon. This 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 prince who was the chief among the princes not the prince of princes that's that was always the son of god but basically you can think of him as as second in command under the son of god and it was that individual who who has caused the most havoc especially in a pre-adamic context i believe and this is just my opinion and and i do lay some foundation some scriptural foundation now the reader can judge whether it's strong or weak um that that the rebellion of this character uh, uh, who we like to call the Prince of Darkness, the adversary, led to the complete ruination of our solar system. That's and and the yeah. and the and the obliteration of the planet Rahab, um, uh, which is now the debris field between no, Mars
0: and Jupiter. So you subscribe to that that, that uh, asteroid belt is a destroyed planet inhabited by the I evil do. one, right? Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Um, it's a yeah. real popular concept. That's really uh, wow. So we're really dealing with those two different entities, and that's what I want to distinguish here. We have those that can possess the demons, and we have those that are visiting, um, what you might call the greys.
1: Yes. Now let's let's be clear, and uh, the the word we're going to have to use the word extraterrestrial and, and the term extraterrestrial and the term alien. To, to correctly describe these beings. Um, and these words have been, for some reason, anathema in, in seminary classrooms um, and and among evangelicals in general. Uh, we don't want to use the term extraterrestrial or, especially, not alien when thinking about uh, angels or when thinking about uh, these other entities. A- and I don't understand why. It, 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 it doesn't make any sense to me. And when I was writing the book, it I felt like I needed to help people work through this strange mental block that we have. Um, a, a, an extraterrestrial, by definition, is any being. Let's let's limit it to a sentient being. Any sentient being whose origin, whose providence, is not planet Earth. That's it. That's what an extraterrestrial means. That's what extraterrestrial means. So by definition angels are are definitely extraterrestrial. They were they were in the cosmos before the earth was created. Their origin is not planet earth. Angels are both the good guys and the bad guys. 100% extraterrestrial. 100%. And um and these entities that are that let's talk about the grays. The grays I believe also are extraterrestrial. And before we talk more about the grays Let, let's talk about demons for a moment because demons are interesting demons are not extraterrestrial demons are earthborn in fact that's one of the definitions of the of the uh of the term in the greek uh the gigantes the term the greek used to describe the giants it means earthborn that's part of the definition earthborn and, and indeed they are earthborn they were born here so they are terrestrial like us demons are terrestrial but, but the elder race, the angelic race, is extraterrestrial. And the word alien is a little bit more nebulous. The definition of the word alien is a little bit more nebulous. It just means something that's not us, something that's not human in, in that term, because it can mean foreigners and all kinds of things. But in a cosmic sense, alien means something that is not human. And so both demons and 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 angels are alien to the human species because they're not us they're not human um uh, we're most we're 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 closely related to demons because they're part us um but uh, but the el- the elder race the angelic race constitutes a completely different race from the human race and so um the term extraterrestrial and alien should be we should adopt these terms into our into our vernacular and and be comfortable using them because they're accurate. They're they're completely accurate in the biblical context. So, the gray aliens, what are those? Well, there's different um, first of all let's let's right off the bat let's say that they are absolutely physical beings. These are not spiritual supernatural beings. These are physical entities. Um, and it and and they and they do constitute in themselves, uh, a race as well, separate from us and separate from from the elder race, and they may be hybrids of some kind, or they may be composite beings, or they may be um, biological drones of some kind. Um, but it, what's important to understand about these these the grays is that. Um, it's very likely that they come from somewhere else in the cosmos why do i say that because we now know in fact the pentagon has has slipped let slip a little bit of this information and certainly has not negated it that the materials found in their craft are what's called exotic matter and and these exotic materials uh, are that we know are some are
0: Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Coupon code
1: Hodges. ...are comprised of the components in the the UFOs. We know that these exotic materials, some of them are not derived on Earth. They're not. They're exotic. That means that they're found somewhere else in the universe, or they're found on Earth in very, very, very small quantities. So... Just the fact that we know that these these the craft are co- co- composed of exotic material is a big signal that these craft were not built on Earth. They were built somewhere else in the cosmos. They were fabricated somewhere else in the cosmos, Mars or who knows, our solar system or, or, or elsewhere. Um, that's a big signal that these guys are not from around our neighborhood. Uh, cosmically speaking. They, they're from a different planet. They come from somewhere
0: else. Well, let me ask you this. How do the goals different for the demons versus the extraterrestrials? What's their intent?
1: Well, demons, again, it, with within the ancient Hebrew context, and the reason why I say that is because there's a, we've sort of created, Christians, Western Christians have created a whole other cosmology for demons and fallen angels than, than the ancient Hebrew cosmology. Um, and that and that is largely due to the what I call a medieval perspective, a medieval christian um cosmology so we've we've taken these these demonic beings from the Old Testament, which were only disembodied spirits, and we've given them flesh and blood and we've and we've sort of taken this this um this nomenclature demon and we've and we've and we've stuck it on anything that's bizarre and alien and and nefarious. And so it's it's really confused the whole situation, um, but in the he, within the Hebrew context, uh, demons their desire is is their part of their curse, and this this comes from the Book of Enoch. Part of their curse was that they would be disembodied.
0: by calling Noble Gold at 877-646-5347.
1: And they would wander the earth as vagabonds, and they would be they would have a ceaseless hunger, they would be ceaselessly thirsty, um, they would have all we can we can we can um, infer, based on the, the, the text, that they would have all the desires of the flesh, but without flesh to fulfill those desires. So it's very much a curse. And this should sound familiar, familiar to to everyone because there's several movies that have featured this kind of a curse. Um, the one that always comes to mind is the, the the first Pirates of the of the Caribbean, where the where the pirates that were cursed, the the I can't, the Black Pearl, I think, was the name of the ship that were, that were cursed on the Black Pearl. This was their curse. They basically had all the desires of the flesh, lust and hunger and thirst. But they couldn't fulfill those desires, and all they wanted in that movie, all they wanted, the only thing they wanted, they didn't want gold anymore. They didn't want treasure. They got that, and that's what cursed them. All they wanted was to break the curse and to be able to eat and drink and you know and satiate all of the all of the desires of the flesh. And that is a very accurate portrayal of the Nephilim, the spirits of the giants, uh, the the vagabond demonic spirits. What they desire it's it's an all consuming desire is to, is to is to satiate the desires of the flesh. They have no flesh that's why they inhabit the flesh of, of human beings and they probably somehow connect into our into our sensory faculties and they can they can interact with them with them with the material world again and they can eat and drink and feel the and fulfill the satiate at least to some degree um, the lust of the flesh through our flesh. And that's what they want. I don't believe that that demons have a strategy or have a conspiracy beyond the say beyond satiating their okay.
0: Their that, that makes ideas. a lot of sense. How about the extraterrestrials? Their strategy?
1: Um, the greys. If we talk now, there may be other factions out there, and uh, I don't know about. I'm completely open to the idea of other factions, but I don't know um, if there are other factions. But I do know that the greys exist. Um, and the Greys are engaged in a what's sometimes referred to as a breeding program. They're creating alien-human hybrids. And I believe that their desire, their goal is to integrate into human society and to some degree to supplant us. And this is uh, achieved through the creation of what Dr. Jacobs calls Hubrids and hubrids are advanced human hybrids. And when I say advanced, I mean human hybrids, alien human hybrids that look so uh, similar to human beings that we could not tell the difference between a hybrid and a a regular human being. Um, So they're advanced hybrids. And they're, they're moving into society right now, I believe they're in a, they're in a, they're in, they're coming into their final phases of their project, they're moving into the final phases of their project, which um, involves these hybrids, these advanced uh, alien human hybrids, um, beginning to integrate into human society, they're learning the most basic the most fundamental aspects of, of of being a human being in society. They're learning how to grocery shop. They're learning how to drive a car. They're learning how to use a refrigerator, how to turn, how to use a television. They're they're learning about the internet. They're, they're 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 you know they're like children. They have to learn everything, and there's a whole lot for them to learn. And they're in this integration phase right now. So, what's the end game for the grays? Uh, I subscribe to David Jacobs, who's the who's the premier. Uh, David Jacobs was the premier, he's still alive, um, the premier abduction researcher, a- alien abduction researcher. Mm-hmm. And his, according to his thesis, he believes that the that the objective of the Grays is, is planetary acquisition. And I agree. I think that the grays are 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 executing a project of planetary acquisition. Um, now, the really interesting question, the question that I cannot answer definitively, in fact, I give three alternatives in my book, the question that I cannot answer definitively is how the the apostate sons of God play into this scenario, um, and I have a favorite view of that, but I give three alternatives, and and there's certainly a connection there there there, there's no way that the apostate sons of god these these very intelligent beings who have been here since the beginning before mankind there's no way that they're not some way associated with the program of the greys They at least are aware of it and are and are and have something to do with it um whether they're directly controlling the actions of the greys and by the way when we talk about the little gray aliens you know, these guys are about uh, three to four foot tall. they got the big bulbous heads with the almond-shaped, black almond-shaped eyes. They're the typical beings that you see, the alien being. They're not, when we say greys, those are the worker bees. Those are the, those are the worker bees in the program. Um, there's a hierarchy of entities apparent on the craft there they, there's there's these taller more spindly mantis like beings who dr. Jacobs calls uh, insectilins. and they are definitely in charge of the little worker bees that the, the the bulbous head almond-shaped eye grays. the mantis creatures are, are definitely in charge of, of uh, they're they're the um, they're the uh, the captains of that of the of the craft let's say and and there are also there's also been a lot of reports of of reptilian type beings that are also associated with the gray somehow so those reptilian beings um, may be indigenous to the earth or they may come from somewhere else um, but they're 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 either subjugated by the greys or at least some of them or they're or they're or they have some sort of an association with the grays. but the gray aliens are the ones including the mantis when i say gray i'm talking about the, the little guys and the and the mantis like and beings Those are the guys that are executing the abduction program. They're the ones responsible for the the alien abduction phenomena. And that's strictly uh,
0: a hybrid program, right, uh, to create the race that you just referenced?
1: Yes, that program is is, uh, completely uh, dedicated to the creation of advanced alien-human hybrids for the express purpose of integrating into human society incognito Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i've heard this before and i've had a couple of interesting encounters along those lines but um, the the goal though are they um, how far has it gone do they are they the deep state do they control the deep state do they control world leaders i would imagine they would gravitate towards positions of power
1: that's a great question Um, they're uh, first of all um let's talk about how old they are i do not believe that the I, do, I don't believe i actually the premise of ancient alien i'm sorry of ancient ancient astronaut theory which everybody is most familiar with through the tv show ancient astronauts um or ancient aliens um the premise of ancient astronaut theory is actually a biblical premise. The premise, the rest of it's bunk. The premise says that mankind has been interacting with extraterrestrials since the beginning. Yes, that is that is a biblical principle. It's, that's part of the. It's part and parcel of the biblical narrative. We have been interacting with extraterrestrials since the beginning, um, as we uh, as I explained earlier on. That these and this angelic race is extraterrestrial for sure so that is, the premise of ancient astronaut theory is correct biblically speaking now where they go immediately astray is they believe that these entities had a hand in creating us you know and that's the whole ancient astronaut theory that they that they splice their dna with perhaps a bigfoot type creature or some early hominid and that uh, from that uh, splicing they were able to derive the human species um so that 's obviously where we de- where, where we where we part ways from from ancient astronaut theory we christians we 're biblical Christians part ways, um, but the premise nevertheless is accurate so uh, have extraterrestrials been interacting with human beings since the beginning of human history? Yes, which extraterrestrials the sons of God for sure now, what about the grace? I do not believe that the greys have been interacting with mankind since the beginning, which ancient ancient astronaut theorists do believe that, most of them do believe that the greys have been around for a long time. I do not. And indeed, most of the leading um, ufologists, Richard Richard Dolan and David Jacobs, to name two, um, agree, as do I, that the greys likely showed up in the late 1800s, mid to late 1800s. They showed up and they began to initiate their program of hybridization so they've been around and i think there's very strong evidence for this um that so they've been around since since the late 1800s um and uh and their program then has been going on for you know a century and 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 some change so um century and a half uh so they're they're advanced in their program at this point they've been at this for a while and it's been a it's been a learning process for them. It, it wasn't like they just appeared on the scene and then created a, a perfect uh, alien human hybrid. We know if you if you study the abduction material, you can see that they've been progressing, they've been advancing, and slowly creating a more perfect alien human hybrid. Um, Interesting. And so.
0: We've got to hold it here for a second because i got to get in this break or we're going to be in big trouble. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking with uh, Tim Alvarino, and this is fascinating, and i got some questions for him when we come back. But I just wanted to make sure that you understand that I've made a list. There are 19 impediments to our food supply. And there are deliberate things in many cases that this administration that's in charge now with one-party rule is doing to us. And is there a foolproof answer? No, I'm not going to lie to you and say there is. But you can keep the wolf from the door for a significant amount of time. My good friend Bob Griswold, who I call King Prepper, says you really need two years in seeds. And he goes, that may not even be enough, but you really can't plan much beyond that. But, you know, you say, well, I can't do two years. Okay, well, you can do maybe six months, but I'm just saying, folks, if you don't, You're going to be dependent upon a government that left a 1,000 Americans behind enemy lines in Afghanistan. That's how much they hold you in contempt. So to find out more about the great deals and great opportunities from My Patriot Supply, including the sales, the quality... Go to preparewithdave.com, and it's all explained right there, and we will lay it out for you. They'll say, here's how it is, and you'll see hey, it's a pretty good deal. In fact, actually, I think it's the best deal out there, and that's why we represent them. Go to preparewithdave.com. One other thing I want to mention here, and close out our ad segment for the hour, but it's the importance of sat phones, and and I've come to this party late, I really have. And I have my sat phone, and we have our message system on it in case we're ever taken down. We can still communicate with each other. I believe sat phones will be the last thing they take down. It's a hard thing to take down for a lot of different reasons. And if we look at uh, grid down scenarios, if you look at scenarios of purpose grid down to control a population and encircle them, like continuity of government emergency plans, your sat phones will probably still work. You'll be able to communicate with family members, friends, and get news. And I think that's really, really important. Plus, when you're driving in remote areas where the cell phone's not working, a sat phone only needs the sky. And you say, is it expensive? You know, I pay about a quarter of the cost for my sat phone than I do for my cell phone, but I don't chit-chat. So I do save a lot of money that way. To find out more and to get more details on what I'm giving you here, I want you to make a phone call. 855-980-5830. That's 855 855- Nine eight zero five eight three zero. Well, we're talking with Tim Alberino, and um, we're discussing two different planes of integration. And I look at it as invasion of humanity. One is possible of deme- demonic possession, and the other, as Tim called it, uh, planetary acquisition strategy through hybridization. And I hope I'm interpreting this correctly. But Tim, I want to tell you about a uh, couple of experiences and have you interpret them, because I think we're at that point where my background may start to coincide with what you're saying here. When I was uh, teaching uh, an intro site class, i had a student who approached me one time and he claimed to be the grandson of a hopi elder and i had actually to enlist help in this because i didn't know enough about the topic to even really communicate with him and he claimed that uh, we had been visited by beings for a long time and that even their ancient technology that we haven't learned how to access was underground deep beneath the city of phoenix and other locations around the planet but they had to be biometrically accessed, and we hadn't cracked the code. And his grandmother, his grandfather knew all about this as a Hopi elder. Uh, and the other thing, I had a, a friend named Vance Davis, who was former NSA, and he said in part of his integrated training, and he had uh, interactions with parts of NATO that dealt dealt with extraterrestrials. He said they were told that they lost a major war in the cosmos, and they were cast down to Earth and that they wanted to take over the human soul, but they couldn't crack the code, and so they were going to morph the human being. This is before transhumanism as a term mm-hmm. came into vogue. I mean, this is about ten years before transhumanism when he told me this. Can you react to those two stories?
1: Fascinating. Uh, they resonate with me, with with what oh. I know and in, in, in my research. Um, there, is a, there is a very, very ancient... Um, Legend in the Andes that references a a primordial race of advanced beings that look very much like us that according to the legend live underground beneath the Andes and that this race is um, in possession of advanced technology and that they've been there. Before the natives arrived, and that, um, they, they, they cannot be directly contacted. You have to go through certain channels to contact them. And these beings are referred to as the Veracosha, or the Widacosha, um, uh, in Quechua. And uh, I have reason to believe that that story is accurate, that it's real, it's not just a legend, it's a true legend. And um, and it's. Uh, I've heard of installations, let's call them, of these quote-unquote varicosia, who I would call the apostate sons of God, being installed in different parts of the earth under the ground. Now these are separate from our deep underground military bases, our dumbs. Our dumbs are derived from from Nazi technology and it's it's th- those were g- developed by uh our military. I'm talking about bases that are that were created that were built by this extraterrestrial angelic faction, mm-hmm. the bad guys. And it's the bad guys because those are the guys who were banished here and and the idea that they lost a cosmic war. That for anybody who's read my book that certainly resonates um with what I write in the book and and with what Um, uh, David Flynn wrote in his book um, Cydonia Um, and so I absolutely subscribe to this notion where are the sons of God, the apostate sons of God where do they reside because a lot of Christians evangelicals don't think about these angelic beings having a residence or operating technology or eating and drinking for that matter or having biological functions but in fact they do and uh, we don't have to go into that here, but I, I, I show why that is the case according to the scriptures. Um, and so they have a they have a locality, they have a place of residence on the planet, and r- rather within the planet, within the depths of the planet. Uh, remember, according and again, this is laid out in the book, the scriptural reference for this uh, references. Um, uh, Adam was given dominion over everything on earth. he he was made the vice regent of planet earth and that included over the the, this faction this fallen uh, angelic faction and so they have a residence and their residence is not in the sky rises in new york city or london or something like that their residence is somewhere else within the bowels of the earth and and it's probably very highly technological and they they have You know what we might think of as advanced bases, military bases, that are of their own design, of their creation, and from which they they uh, they deploy their they let's say they scramble their uh, their advanced um, their advanced craft, their advanced aerospace vehicles. Um, And again, I've seen some evidence in the Andes. Um, that 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 they have a base there. That they're located. That's one of their the areas that they're located. The other area that I've heard, uh, that I that it's anecdotal, but but I think there's some evidence to point to a base that they have, is is in the um, is in the Himalayas. Um, so it, see, it would make sense that if, if you had the technology to put a base anywhere that was impenetrable and that would withstand earthquakes and so forth, you would put them in, the, in beneath mountains because the, the, the mountains are, are very are comprised of very, very hard rock and they're very sturdy <coughs> structures, the sturdiest structures we have on Earth. I mean, you, go, you put a base into the bedrock of a mountain and that's about as best as you can do on planet Earth. Um and so I think that they've got, they're dwelling uh, beneath the Andes. I think they're dwelling beneath the Himalayas. Um, and there are, there's a certain ways to make contact with these beings. And very quickly, there's a very interesting, uh, legend in Peru, um, that, uh, that if you want to make contact with the, with the vitakosha, uh, then you have to access this, this secret society, um, uh, that's known as the Capacuna. And the Kapakuna are like the, the advanced medicine men. They're the highest, high they're the, they're the highest uh, echelon of, of of let's let's say shamans, and and the capacuna they're they're very much a secret society, in 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 Peru. And in the Andes, in general, and they're not—they're not the shamans that the tourists see, you know, on the side of the uh, on the road who are, you know, um, selling their wares and so forth. Th- th- those aren't the Kapakuna... You'd never know who the Kapakuna were. It's a secret society, and the Kapakuna are in contact with an intermediary, an an inter an, an intermediary race, um, who are called the, uh, the. I'm trying to remember the word. It's a uh, it's a Quechuan it's a Quechuan word, and it means the red eyes. And I'm trying to remember the word in quechua but I can't remember it. Uh, the, uh, I, I have it on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember it. Um, and this uh, this intermediate race, they they can get you into contact with the Bita Kosha, according to the legend. And there's a whole... And I heard this myself in the Andes. I was told this in the Andes by the Andean people. And then it was confirmed in several ways later on. Um, and uh, to, to, to reach the... the uh, the uh, this intermediate the red eyes let's call them because that's what they're called in Quechua the red eyes to to reach the red eyes you have to um, cross a bridge in the Andes and they tie a rope around your waist and you 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 there's an area of the Andes where you can you can go into and the native the the capacuna will tie a rope around your waist and you go into this region and the reason why they tie a rope around your waist is because when you get in there everything changes it's like it's like you know i don't want to say a different dimension because we don't we can't even conceptualize another dimension it's you know it's very sci-fi wow. but interesting but when we but when, you, when movies, you go in there yeah. yeah when you go in there everything changes and so you can't you can't you don't know your way out it's almost like walking through the wardrobe into narnia and uh, that's why you have to have the rope tied around your waist and this is the legend and it was told directly mm. to me and then i heard it it was confirmed several times in different ways that this is indeed what this, this this secret society believes. At least this is what they believe. And it's very ancient. And it's very it's a very closely kept secret. And then the and then these red eyes can introduce you if you're worthy to the Miracocha. And so um, that, again, that, that's, just, that's just one legend regarding, I think that resonates with what you were saying. It's interesting
0: too that the Nazis would relocate to South America based on what you're telling me and what they were into.
1: Exactly, yeah, the Vril, which is
0: uh, yeah. very interesting. Yeah, The uh, just briefly here before we close, my my father worked with uh, some Nazi scientists reversing their theoretical physics and um, they, they told him the technology came from aliens They claimed to never met them. Their bosses did, supposedly, their commanders. My dad thought they were evil spirits, maybe perhaps satanic. He said the lack of actual contact made him doubt their story. But I'm hearing a lot of similarities from what I've heard from my father as he disclosed to me what he did in his final years. We're just about out of time. We're, listen, after the first of the year, we're going to have to have you back on because I want to I proceed down this path here. We just opened up Pandora's box and we just gave a teaser. And I think that we need to come back and, um, and greatly expand on this. But very quickly here, um, I just want to make sure I have this right. Your website is timothyalbarino.com. That's, that's correct? correct. Okay, that's correct. And uh, the book I really highly mac- recommend reading, and it's—I'm going to tell you, folks—you're going to spend some time with it because it's voluminous in information and documentation. It's called Birthright, and it's the coming post- post-human apocalypse, which we didn't even get to, and the usurpation of Adam's dominion on planet Earth. And I think we're going through it right now. Um, fascinating stuff, Tim. I, I got to—I've you, admired your work from afar, but. Getting into it the way we have here, I have a whole new appreciation. So we'll have uh, we'll be in contact with you after the first of the year and try to get you back on, if that's okay with you.
1: Uh, absolutely, and I, I appreciate you having me on today. So anytime, a- Fantastic
0: day. stuff, and I highly recommend the book. Thanks so much, Tim. We'll be Thank in touch. you. All right. Well, it's been quite a year, hasn't it? bit of a nightmare for most people, and the holidays are a great time to reflect, especially on those who helped us get through it.